Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz is here with me. We're talking Michigan at Maryland. Myself and Josh Newkirk will be there. I uh, will be providing lots of on-site coverage, uh, some stories right before kickoff, you know, regarding injuries and other notes, and then in-game updates, post-game stuff all through Saturday night and Sunday. Sorry for the late podcast. There's there some scheduling. Let's, let's shorten this, though. I'll make it short and sweet. Three key questions, and then we'll do our over-under lightning round at the end. Uh, but, Steve, I think, the, I think the big question that I've been pondering all week is what what does Michigan's offensive approach look like in a game like this? You know, we mentioned in the podcast on on Monday that they really have four weeks to figure out what they're going to do with this team because they're probably going to win the next three games. We, we think that they'll win at Maryland. We think that they'll beat Michigan State at home after the bye week, and then we think that uh, they'll win at Indiana. And so probably getting nine wins... But if they can get that 10th one against Ohio State, that's that's obviously a big game changer. And so the question is, I, I think Michigan could beat Maryland running the ball or passing the ball. Do you think that they, they would benefit more from pushing the pass? Or is this a game where maybe going with the run? And bear in mind that they still have some freshman running backs in, in Hassan Haskins, Christian Turner, and Zach Charbonnet. And and running less injuries, less you know opportunities for, say if Maryland you know very lot lot more interceptions and fumbles and and you don't necessarily want to let teams get back into it. Do you do you think Michigan would be better off pushing the pass or just kind of emphasizing the run, establishing their will and then getting out of there, pretty much unscathed? Uh, I mean, I kind of think the biggest thing might just be continuing to develop up front. I mean, I thought that was the biggest driver behind their success against Notre Dame. You know, obviously, I think it was funny. I think I I think I had said Cesar Ruiz played his best game in a Michigan uniform, and I believe Harbaugh echoed that exact same phrase yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the same night uh, on his weekly radio show. So I think, honestly, I, you know, it's so much about the balance as it is. A, I, th- I think in somebody – I was on the board this morning. I saw a couple people mention that they'd like to see Michigan maybe get Tariq Black a little more involved offensively. And, and I kind of wonder if maybe not that specifically necessarily, but maybe more from an individual standpoint in trying to get, you know, some guys a little more involved who maybe haven't been as involved as we maybe thought they would be heading into the season. The other thing too, I kind of think, I, I think you keep feeding Haskins because I, I think you want to continue to build his confidence as much as you possibly can. You know, Charbonnet, much more of a guy I think everyone knew would be a contributor this season despite mm-hmm. being a true freshman. Haskins is a guy, this is, I mean, we'll say it's kind of come out of nowhere, right? I mean, we didn't expect this from right. him this season. And, and I think keeping his confidence high and continuing to feed him the ball and kind of let him sort of refine that approach and, and just get better, I think is something that will benefit Michigan down the road as well. You know, they're going to have to run. The thing is, you, you if you want to, you know, I don't want to jump too far forward, but yeah, I mean the, you know, 30th of November is, it is, well, it's still only 29 days away, really. Um, Michigan has not been able to run the football as as well in, the, in that game as maybe we believe they could have or, or should have in certain instances mm-hmm. so as, as much as I think I, I think more people probably would argue that they need to throw the ball more because they've kind of shown that they can run the football against a high quality defense like they did against Notre Dame but I'd almost argue I'm kind of feeling the opposite I think you want to continue to refine your running your rushing attack because you know Michigan's got really good players on the outside. And I think Patterson, when given the time, going back to offensive line continuing their play, you know, I think he can make enough throws. His confidence seems to be building as well. And but with him being more of a veteran, I think you worry less about, you know, how he may perform. So I I actually I think yeah, I do think maybe running the football 
and continuing to build off of what they did on Saturday may actually benefit them more. You know, they'll benefit them in a few weeks against Michigan State, too. Mm -hmm. I know Joe Bocci gone or or no longer a factor there, but, you know, Michigan State still has a stout front four uh, on the line. You know, I think will present some challenges for Michigan in their running attack. So, you know, as it pertains to the two biggest games left on their schedule, I think continuing to run the football will probably be more of a benefit for them. Yeah, see, yeah, I... I see your side. I do think there there are more benefits than than people realize to them having a ground first game against Maryland. I think you got to work on this passing this passing game. It's just it's just not I don't think you're beating Ohio State being a run first team. They ran the ball 40 times against Ohio State last year and they got 160 yards. I mean, it's it's Ohio State and Michigan State too have shown that they can they'll happily stack the box and and shut down the run and dare Michigan to throw and maybe maybe they have the passing game sorted out more so than than it's than it's shown but I think in the end what you practice in games is what you are I know I know Michigan has in the past they've concealed plays or kept things under wraps I'm sure there'll be a few wrinkles and a few plays but if you're not practicing the downfield passing game in games, it's not going to be as effective as it could be in games. You know, there's no, it's not like, it's not like Oklahoma grounds and pounds until they play Texas and then airs it out. I mean, they air it out all the time. That's who they are. And, and I think you could say the same for a lot of elite passing attacks. It's not like, it's not like Justin Fields is just doing handoffs and, and check down type plays. I mean, you know, they're working on those big plays. They're getting comfortable in those kind of settings, building that chemistry. Most of that will be done in practice. I think that there's a great value in coming out and really peppering the ball around. I think I think Shea, you mentioned his confidence is building. Well, let him have a 20 for 27 for 280-yard type game. I mean, that 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 does not hurt him at all. Uh, and And... I think, you know, minimize the wear and tear on Zach Charbonnet. I know that they've done that, you know, against Rutgers and, and some of the other games. Same with Hassan Haskins. You probably feel comfortable. I mean, they ran the ball well against Penn State and Notre Dame, at least compared to what those teams allow. I I just, I don't know, maybe maybe I'm thinking differently about Ohio State. I, I don't think... I don't think Michigan's going to be able to beat Ohio State without scoring at least 25 points. I, I think, and I, and I don't think you're going to score four rushing touchdowns on Ohio State. I, I think there's a lot to gain from passing the ball because otherwise they're going to they're going to defend the run and they're not going to tr- they're not going to believe in the pass. And then who knows what the weather will be on November 30th or November 16th? And I don't know. I don't know. To me, I think I think there's a lot to be gained. I think balance is probably the ultimate goal. I just think if we were discussing what can Michigan improve the most between now and November 30th that gives it a chance to beat Ohio State, I would say passing game. And so why not work on that in games? But uh, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, you know, does Josh Gaddis try to show off <laughs> things to Mike Loxley? Uh, you know, Maryland, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt Steve that Maryland is in the bottom 25 teams in basically every passing category. I mean, they are, they are just atrocious against the pass. You know, Penn state threw like crazy Purdue's backup quarterback threw like crazy Minnesota really could get whatever they wanted in the air. Indiana too. I don't know. I, I I think this is a good game to throw it around. They only have one 300-yard passing game all season, which is crazy to think about. I think I think if I were in charge of Michigan's offense, I'd want this to be game number two where they're throwing for at least 300 yards. Balance is always going to be the perfect outcome. I just I guess I look at it this way. It's not so much about uh, what they need, what I think they need to do on a Saturday against a maybe lesser opponent. Does I don't mean that mean needs to be developed 
and turned into the primary reason why they beat a Michigan State or Ohio State t- team. It's just more along the lines of, to me, I think they at least need an honest rushing attack to have a chance in those games. And I guess I have more faith in the idea that I think that they can put together an honest passing performance against those teams less so than I guess, despite the performance. That's why, they, you know, I think more building off of what they did against Notre Dame. Because I think a lot of what you saw against Notre Dame was Michigan, A, I think we talked about a little bit, getting more back to the basics. But B, it just looked like they played better assignment football up front. Go back to Ruiz, right? I mean, a guy who was consistently in the second level and really played the game I think we all thought he was capable of playing or the game we thought, the type of game that we thought we'd be seeing from him week in and week out. So to me, it's more about continuing, you know, because again, you talk about Haskins specifically, still not the most experienced guy. Uh, Charbonnet getting there with experience, but still, you know, and, and so... Yeah, I mean, you know, when you talk about Maryland's defensive statistics against the pass, so okay, if they go out and throw the ball over him, what does that really does that really show or prove anything, right? So, you know, I don't know. I just think it, it. I feel like the team who runs, especially when it comes to Ohio State, as as well as they throw the ball and as well as they threw the ball last year, is still, I think, the team that runs the ball more effectively in that game more oftentimes than not is the one that wins. And, you know, we know what they're capable of with the year that somehow quietly the year that Dobbins is having Mm -hmm. uh, for them, you know, that they're at least probably going to have some success running the football against anybody, if not a high level of success. So, you know, I think Michigan, the more they can refine that running game and and get it, you know, to what they think it may be an elite level or, or a, or a, you know, top level, I think the better it'll serve them in those bigger games. So yeah. that's the way, that's the way I look at it. I, I, I just have, more, I have more faith. They can throw the ball. I'm not saying they can't run the ball, but until Saturday, they really hadn't run the ball. Well, I guess the second half against Penn state, you could argue they ran the ball pretty well too, but you know, it just even it had not been effective even against lesser opponents necessarily they just looked they looked very inconsistent there was no you know I don't know I just I think their running game was pretty lackluster up until a couple weeks ago and I think the more that they kind of pound that and and you know make that like clockwork I think the better it'll be for them when the two states come to town Hmm. we can agree to disagree I, I think when Michigan plays Ohio State it needs its best players to be its best players and I don't think its best players are Zach Charbonnet and Hassan Haskins. I think it's the receivers. I think it's Shea Patterson. You know, if we go back to our most important players countdown earlier on in the season, I think, well, Haskins wasn't even on the list. Charbonnet, I think, was 19th or 20th. And, you know, Donovan Peoples-Jones was in the top five. Shea Patterson was number one. I I don't know. I, whether, I, I, it's, if you have a lot of faith in the passing game, that's fine. I have not seen that. I really have, you know, Penn State, if they don't drop the ball seven to eight times, they probably win. If they're able to pass the ball a little bit more effectively in those first couple drives where they were where they were moving the ball a little bit but not quite getting where they needed to go, maybe they don't fall behind 21 nothing. Maybe they win. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see. I think, I think there's a lot to be gained from a good passing game. Uh, but ultimately, Michigan can probably win either way because – Maryland is not, I mean, a little bit better on offense, but it is just, they have so many players injured. They're missing two receivers to injury. Both quarterbacks have at least some sort of injury. That's Josh Jackson and Tyrell Pegrom. Uh, Pegrom is practicing, but in a limited role. He is listed as probable. Josh Jackson has thrown two passes in the last four weeks uh, due due to a pretty gruesome ankle injury. But he's expected to be back and to start. To me, looking at the defensive side of the ball, can they? Can they? What can they prove in this game? Would be the main question. And to me, that answer is they can eliminate the big plays. Javon Leak is their second string running back, but he's averaging eight point nine yards per carry. Lots of thirty plus yard runs on the season, 
Anthony McFarland isn't quite as explosive as he was last year, but but at the same time he has that capability. You know, at, at the in the receiving game, uh, Demas Dante Demas, he's the the one guy. Is thirty one catches over four hundred and fifty yards. I don't know what what can the defense prove in this game, if anything. To me, it's just big plays. Steve, what say you? Yeah, I agree. I think it's the hiccup type stuff that we discussed after after Penn State, right? I mean, I still go back and look at that game as you know uh, that may do, even regardless of how Michigan season turns out, that look back on that game and just feel like it was such a winnable game for them. But that mm-hmm. like just single play hiccups completely cost them that football game and you know like we talk about after that game you know is it something that's kind of tarnished them defensively a little bit because again you see play by play how dominant this defense usually is and that's really become regardless of who the personnel is you know we're talking from 16 17 18 and this year you know, where you've had new guys come in almost every one of those seasons and the defense is still played at such a high level. But it's been those momentary lapses that, you know, have really have cost them in games they've lost. And yes, maybe somewhat tarnished some defensive performances in games that they've won, you know, with relative ease. So I think limiting, yeah, limiting those hiccups, I think, is is really the biggest thing and yeah Maryland I mean for all their faults they do have some guys I mean they could they you know I believe uh what's the back what's their back's name Lee McFarland McFarland yeah is he is he healthy right I mean yeah he's a guy he's a guy he's very explosive player was a pretty highly touted recruit and uh you know I mean so they have a few guys and they'll be at home so I know confidence probably I don't know how much lower it can be there right now, but that even though that said, it is a home game, and, and we know how Michigan's played on the road. So I suspect Maryland will probably try to go for the big play uh, and get the crowd into it early if they can. So, you know, I think, yeah, getting rid of those hiccups will go, you know, again, against a lesser opponent, but it'll still go a long ways for, you know, the confidence and maybe some of the younger players, too, that are still kind of getting acclimated, getting their feet wet defensively. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if Pagrome plays, I think one thing the defense can prove is containing a true dual threat quarterback. You know, Book and Ian Book and Sean Clifford can run, but they're kind of like dual threat, like Lewerke's dual threat, where they're they're throw first, they're just quick enough to escape pressure. Pagrome actually can make plays on his feet. Again, sorry, sorry if we sound like a broken record, but this season basically there's a title game November thirtieth, and that's. That defines Michigan's season. Um, but if Josh Jackson's playing, I, I guess he's... I would put him maybe in the same boat as uh, Book and Clifford as far as mobility. So, you know, maybe that's something to keep an eye on. But, but yeah, they got a couple really fast backs, backs who can, who can... If you don't contain them, and if you take a bad read, or if you take a playoff, they can be running past you for six. Right. in in a hurry so they're gonna make them throw the ball to try to beat them they have there there's mm-hmm. almost no way that that's not going to be the game plan or at least the bulk of the game plan right so interested also kind of interested to see where michigan generates their pass rush from mm-hmm. you know i think they played pretty well against Notre dame for the most part but still never really got to the quarterback too. not didn't get to book too consistently at least with their straight up their linemen so interested to see where the, where the pass rush maybe comes from if they have to you know sort of create it a little bit with some schematics or if they can just you know beat them one-on-one guys like quitty pay aiden hutchinson again so interested to see you know i guess from that standpoint yeah i think i think they'll be fine <laughs> notre dame's offensive line is right. uh leagues better leagues better than maryland's but um man Maryland looking kind of a roller coaster season there you feel like look good at the beginning of the year but it's obvious that that Syracuse win was hyper inflated yeah you know based on how <laughs> Syracuse has played after but man I mean even Purdue who's had a really rough year walloped them and then Minnesota for you know they haven't played anybody but 
still undefeated, still not even a contest last weekend. So, yeah, that's the big thing. Is like just I, to me, it's the Purdue loss that's like okay, this team is clearly having some issues. Where Purdue's without Sindelar, without Rondell Moore. Granted, it's at Purdue, and they still lose forty to fourteen. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's interesting. Uh, but anyway, third third key question. Well, we can go. Let's let's broaden this so that we can go in two couple different directions. How can Michigan benefit from this game? So, be it progressing toward the end of the season. One thing I was thinking of is: is this a game where they start to sprinkle in some of those, or not even sprinkle in? See what they have in some of the talented reserve players. Dax Hill, obviously, being a big one. I think this could be a big game for him. Uh, but even even some other players at, at, at a variety of positions. Maybe it's a Mike Zaner still. See what you have there. Um, or maybe even just other freshmen that we haven't discussed as much. Uh, and then, I, of course, winning on the road. or Winning in convincing fashion on the road. Playing a complete game on the road. We were talking before the show has not happened very much under Harbaugh. I think I think Maryland in 2015 was pretty good. I think Michigan State last year, probably both Michigan State games, you could argue. Rutgers, of course. Outside of that, really haven't been too many what I would call chest-pounding road performances, so that might be something to keep an eye on. Granted, the two bigger games they play the rest of the season will be at home. But Steve, I guess what sort of things are you keep an eye on in ways Michigan can can b- continue to build momentum after last week in this game against Maryland? Yeah, I mean, I I agree. You, you got to think between Sainer still Jackson and even Cornelius Johnson. I believe all three of those guys have. I know Sainer still and Jackson have, but I believe because Johnson did see the field against Notre Dame, I believe his red shirt. He's he's played in four, if not five, now. Um, so no harm in maybe getting those guys a little bit more involved, particularly John, uh, Jackson and Sainra still who have definitely, they've already eclipsed their four games. I'd have to go back and look on Cornelius Johnson, but you know, with, with Ronnie Bell, I kind of suspect they'll probably just sit him out tomorrow. Yeah. Precautionarily. Yeah. Yeah. Just like they did with Hill and Collins against Illinois. I feel like Bell will be treated the same way on Saturday. Um, so, you know, with that in mind, I think, there's no reason not to try to get those guys a little bit more involved, in my opinion. Uh, you know, again, talked about it after Notre Dame, talked about it after Penn State, or maybe it was after Illinois with Haskins, is, you know, a guy like Sainer still really gets his first shot on Saturday and takes full advantage of it. I, I think, much like I mentioned about Haskins earlier, I think with Sainer still, you want to get him involved again and build that confidence because you never know you might need him in a big spot later in the season or, or not just need him, but maybe you could use him in a big spot later in the season. Right. So I think, you know, guys like that who come in and get that first taste of success, that it's a good one. I say, you just keep building the confidence, you know, and we talk about, you know, whether Michigan wants to keep running the ball or maybe they throw the ball a little bit more tomorrow. You know, one thing they can do is, is like I said, build up confidence for a guy like Sainer still. And the other guy we talked about, and I can't remember if this was, did we talk about this already in the show or was it right before we came on? was to maybe get Tariq Black a little more involved too and build his mm-hmm. confidence. You know, I think we mentioned him last week or the week before about his stats in September compared to October. Right. Right. And so, mm-hmm. you know, he's a guy I still think has some good football left to play this season, you know, for Michigan. And as a guy I could see making a big play in a big game for them. And I think, you know, by starting off by trying to feed him the ball a little bit and build his confidence up. Not saying I don't know where his confidence level is at. I'm just saying he hasn't got, gotten the ball nearly as often as he was early in the season. You know, so maybe feed him the ball a little bit and uh, build from there on that. So you could say the same thing defensively, too. I, if you're Michigan, there's no reason not to play the heck out of Daxon Hill on Saturday. Not that they, you know, he's been playing more and more steadily, but I think, you know, you want to get him on the field as often as you possibly can, you know, and, and maybe even let him do some, play some more one-on-one coverage mm-hmm. type stuff because I 
have a sneaking suspicion that they're really going to need him against Ohio State in those types of situations. I don't think it's a sneaking suspicion. I think that's just looking at last year's game and saying, yeah, right. Who who could Michigan have really used? Probably a coverage pro pro coverage safety type that can run a four three. Right. Well, he's still got he's still got to get there on a play by play basis, and I know Mm -hmm. like even listening to Zordich, you know, and they talk about him like he'll be. He's going to be a force to be reckoned with after next spring, isn't that what he said? Like talked about, yeah, yeah. You know, and it's like, it's funny when he, because uh, a guy like I'm with you is like I, Zordich maybe the coach on staff I enjoy listening to the most, probably him and Don Brown are probably the two guys, and you know I think somebody would read that or hear that and think, well, what does that mean? You know, like what? Like he's he should play, he should be good, he could be good this year, you know, and it, it's just because right. he but but Zordich has always been a preach patience kind of guy with a lot of the defensive backs, you know, and so I don't know what that means. Cause you know, he has, he's made some plays already this season, you know, it's like, how great can they think that do they think he can be, but he, yeah, he may need to be a guy in four weeks. And I, I'm with you is like, I guess I shouldn't say sinking suspicion, but you know, he, his, his name is the one that pops to mind when you talk about who's going to cover that third receiver you know, or who may be the guy to match, even match up with a guy like Olave in the slot, you know? So, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah. So getting the young guys more experience, not just, again, this is provided they run away with this game. We'll see, you know, that's not a guarantee. Uh, but if they do, no. yeah. let's not wait until, you know, late third, fourth quarter to get these guys, you know, maybe try to put them in some, real-time type situations maybe the same with a guy like even a guy like hinton right who i believe has played his four is is no longer a redshirt possibility i believe i know he played on saturday again i believe he's played in at least four if not five games now so get him in there as well you know and and just try to get these guys some real experience reps you know headed down the stretch yeah, well, and the reason why is, I mean, yeah, sure, maybe they won't be their full finished products until next year, but can they help your team at the end of this month? I, I think they can if you if you develop them and practice them. Now, the coaches know better than we do who's practicing well, right? Like if if there's if there's a discrepancy, there's a discrepancy, and and we're just not privy to it, but. I just look at someone like Cam McGrone, and I don't. I don't think this is abnormal in college football. But how how can he go from not really playing in the first fifteen games of his career to being Michigan's best player like six weeks later? Yeah, I, I agree. T- yeah, I, I just I think it, you might as well see what you have. You might as well travel a couple more freshmen, maybe leave some of the the dinged up players at home. Right, like maybe like a, a Ronnie Bell. I don't know what their plan is, but um, say Ronnie Bell's going to be fine, but he's dinged up. Sit him out, bring a different freshman, and and see what you have. Because if all of a sudden you have another defensive lineman who can make plays, or you have another linebacker, I think I believe Anthony Solomon's burned his red shirt too with his yes. special teams play, yep. and so or Dax Hill or who knows? I I don't know DJ Turner's health. Uh, but you know Zordich once again speaking very very highly of him this week in, in press conferences. It, I don't think it hurts you to to see to give these guys a try. And as you noted, not a guarantee that they blow them out. We're assuming that premise though uh, right. with that with that question. Do you? Let me ask you something then along the lines. Of, do you? I get the sense and and I. I've been hesitant, but I'm I'm tending to agree a little bit. And I know they've mentioned the bridge program, and there's some other factors that are in play here. But do you kind of believe that Michigan maybe takes it, you know, doesn't they're a little too slow in giving some of these really talented young guys a, a legitimate shot? Do you think they take their time too much with some of these guys and don't just maybe should do more of just kind of throwing them into the blender? I think. I think we've seen freshmen on the offensive side. I don't think they're afraid on the offensive side. I I wonder, I don't know if they're timid or afraid of it. I wonder if the defensive system, if they put a, lar- a large emphasis on 
play-to-play consistency and doing your assignment. Because one thing that was interesting is I think this went viral or semi-viral, Michigan Twitter world viral, I should say, where Cam McGrone is like following a tight end in motion this past weekend against Notre Dame. And Kalik Hudson basically grabs his jersey, pulls him to the left, and says, no, you're not on the tight end. I am. Stick to your assignment, like before the snap. And then McGrone tackles the running back for a loss. And so, you know, sure. t- to me what that says is he's he's this full-speed, you know, bajillion horsepower car with no steering wheel in, in some cases. And so I think that they put – they might prioritize um, – knowing your assignment a little highly because yeah, I, I I'm, I'm kind of, I'm probably as confused as the fans are with Dax Hill and he's made plays and I don't think he's abnormally behind, but I wonder at other schools or with other defenses, do they talk about a player being the most talented player on the team who isn't playing that much, you know, played, played 12 snaps against Penn state, you know, when they had the perfect slot receiver for him to, to him to basically just cover Hamler all day. Um, right, that's what I say. Yeah. Like, I, th- I think you see Derek Stingley at LSU and even mm-hmm. a guy like Jordan Battle at Alabama who, you know, top 100 type guy, wasn't as purely highly rated as Hill, but was, a, you know, pretty much a borderline five-star guy to begin with. You know, you see these guys playing every snap pretty much for – what may be the two best teams in the country. Right. You know, and I think it feeds into some fans' criticisms when... Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You know, when a guy like Hill, yeah, is is sort of being, yeah, what I would say, just brought along more than he is kind of let loose, you know? And so I, you know, I just kind of wonder sometimes, especially, you know, again, in McGrone's almost immediate success kind of feeds into that. Now, right. He hasn't played perfectly. I think one of his biggest things, and I think even the film would show early on, was some inconsistency. But I'll tell you what, on Saturday, he didn't make very many mistakes on Saturday. And, uh, you know, that's in such a short amount of time where you kind of think, okay, if he had played, you know, 30 snaps against Middle Tennessee State, he could have been a big asset against, a bigger asset against Wisconsin let's say, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And so, yeah. um, so yeah, so like I just always, you know, this is something I've thought about before. And like I said, I know that it's been mentioned that Michigan's bridge program for the guys that don't enroll early can be kind of a factor in, you know, balancing the academic aspect of everything and it can, it can slow guys progression down. But yeah, you know I mean? Like I said, you see guys like Stingley and, and battle specific. Those are the two that specifically come to mind as, you know, guys who are playing, right up front right from the get-go at two programs that are have national title aspirations this year you know you kind of wonder like you said how many snaps against penn state 12 yeah you know 22 22 against notre dame right well there you go i mean that's still not even a ton of snaps and so you kind of wonder you know like yeah maybe this it's it's got to be a complicated scheme which again may play into the whole hiccup thing that we talked about earlier, but yeah, you just you still sometimes you're kind of like, man, just you gotta let these guys loose at some point and just let them figure it out. Especially again, Saturday, tomorrow, perfect, a perfect opportunity in that regard, right? You'd think so. I would think so. I would think so. Yeah, it's it, without being able to see practice, it's really hard for me to sit there and say they should play X. But I think on the defensive side of the ball, I think. Cam McGrone and and I'd argue Quiddy Pay a little bit. You know, when they were getting minimal pass rush against Ohio State last year, and then you see what Quiddy Pay can do this year, you you wonder if maybe he could have played more snaps in that game. Um, you know, and there's there's a couple every like I think Devin Bush, his sophomore year, him and Klee Hudson, it's like they really couldn't find a place for him to play on the field as a freshman. 
you know, uh, Ambry Thomas, Lavert Hill, David Long, all guys who did next to nothing as freshmen. I don't, I don't know that it's necessarily wrong. I just wonder if the defensive coaches prioritize correct assignment football more so than who's talented and who can make plays. And, and maybe they have the right approach. That I don't think Michigan's defense has been the issue for, for most of the past couple of years. But regardless, we can jump into our over-unders. Um, these, of course, are brought to us by Neil via Zool on our message board. Last week, Steve, you beat me 7-5, to five, so we each are 49 for 87 this season. We are tied. Not not great numbers. <laughs> no, but they're... He does those are they're usually pretty uh it's clear they're based off of season averages, that type of stuff, you know, which mm-hmm. makes it difficult. And fun. And fun. All right. And fun. First first one, two forty five and a half passing yards for Michigan. I'm gonna say over. I think Maryland Maryland's pass defense, I mean, they could give up that many passing yards in twenty five pass attempts almost. Uh I I think Michigan throws for more than I think they they come close to 300. I don't know if they pass 300. I think they definitely pass 250, though. Steve? Jeez. I mean, after what we just talked about, I feel like I'm supposed to say under, but I can see it. This is total, then? This would include, like, McCaffrey coming in, potentially, that type of stuff? Yeah, I'll still say over. I just I think the offense found something last Saturday. I think they kind of put the throttle down against them in both, both facets of the game. Mm-hmm. The offense. 64.5 rushing yards for Hassan Haskins. I say over. He's been over 100 two of the last three games. Um, he's going he's gonna to have some holes against this Maryland defensive front, which has really taken a nosedive. Really not what it was last year, the year before. 64.5, Steve, for Haskins? I, I, I have to go over as well. I think he's the guy that I still think benefits the most from a decent volume of carries on Saturday. More Mm. than Charbonnet, more than True Wilson. I think Haskins is the guy. Because, again, he's we really should be looking at Haskins offensively the same way we just talked about McGrone and Hill, should we not? I mean, Haskins looks like a high-ceiling star potential-type guy when you you know with the athleticism, the size, and, and really his ability to get yards after the carry. You know, I look at him the same way as I look at those other guys, except maybe he's had a little more tangible success in that with the yardage and stuff. I just think you keep getting the ball mm-hmm. over. Six and a half targets for Peoples Jones and Sainra still. So we don't know Ronnie Bell's status. We don't know what their mentality is for Tariq Black as far as trying to get him the ball, get him back in the habit a little bit. I'll say over. I'll say over. I I agree. Okay. Two and a half deep shots defined as 30 yards in the air attempted. Oh, they only really seem to do one or two a game. I'm going to say under there. Over. I think they throw it down the field a little bit more. Okay. 12 and a half rushes. Oh, this is fun. 12 and a half rushes attempted in Michigan's first 20 offensive plays. You want me to go first here? Sure. I keep saying over for everything, so it's like Michigan should win eighty-four to three. <laughs> but I again going back to my initial point, I do think they try to establish the run off the bat. I think they try to run the football and then use that to open up the pass. I know that's kind of it's weird because it's it's it feels like things are maybe getting a little away from the speed and space and more towards what we're kind of used to. Mm-hmm. But Gaddis has said multiple times, this offense will only go if we can run the football. I mean, that's not a, he has, he has said that multiple times. It's not a secret. So I think they try to establish a run. I'm going to go over again. Yeah. I, I've said what I think they should do. I think what they really do is much closer to, as you said, kind of what we saw against Illinois. How many times in a row did they run? Wasn't it like right. nine or ten plays running before they even threw it? Uh, granted, that was much windier, and that was against, at the time, the worst run defense in the Big Ten. I still think I still think it's going to be a little bit over. Um, I think uh, I thought there might have been 
might have been Ed Warner talked about this week how they were really pass pass happy in the opening couple series against Wisconsin and realized that maybe they need to establish the run early. I'd have to pull up the exact quote. I thought he might have said something like that, but regardless, I think it's over. Uh, three and a half RPOs in the first half. I have, I have no idea. I don't know how many RPOs they run in the first half, second half overall. I'll say, I'll say under, just because I don't really know. I mean, it looked like I mean they ran two in like three plays with McCaffrey, which looked like more than they had run the whole game with Patterson last Saturday. Did it not? Is that not what it looked like to me? Right? I mean. They ran two RPO dart, like quick slant plays uh, with McCaffrey and not as many with Patterson. Uh, but I'm just at the point now, I'm just going to say over for everything. So I'm going to say over. I think they do that a little bit more with Patterson. Okay, on the defensive side, 45.5 completion percentage for Maryland's quarterbacks. Maryland has not had good quarterback performances against Michigan under Harbaugh it has been pretty bad and Josh Jackson is only completing about 50% of his passes this season anyways I think it's 50.4 I'm gonna say under I am I think they have one good receiver um Tayon Fleet Davis is decent h-back type where he can he's got about as many rushing yards as receiving yards I just I don't unless they, they want to do the middle Tennessee approach where they're getting the ball out quick in the flats and not worried about yards, just worried about completing passes. Unless they want to do that approach, I think that I I think it's going to be under. Yeah. I mean, I, it's after last week, heck even what was, what was Clifford's pass completion rate against Michigan? Barely 50%. It was like 14 for 27 or something, Mm -hmm. you know? So for a team that really can't throw the ball, it's hard to predict the over on that. I mean, I just I'd, I'd have to go with the under. Although I agree, I suspect that what you said. I think that's what Maryland's going to try to do. You know, I think it's going to be a lot of dink and dunk. Mm-hmm. But I still I'm still going to go with the under. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Next one. Hundred nine point five yards rushing combined by McFarland and Leak. I'm taking the under. I am completely sold on Michigan's ability to stop the run. You know, I think they're the the downside with that is that if they break out like one or two big plays, they probably get the over on this. But I mean, they held. I think Penn State got just over a hundred yards rushing, but everyone else they faced the past past month has gotten well under. McFarland and Leak might be better than any running back they faced in in a minute, but I'm I'm still taking the under. I I'm. I am sold on Michigan's ability to stop the run this season. I mean, it's uh, you have to go with the under here because, like we said, we expect Michigan is going to sell out to stop the run because Maryland's quarterback play has been subpar at best this season. There's no reason with Michigan's cornerback play. I mean, we talk about how Claypool was the only receiver to have a catch last Saturday. Yeah. Uh, in any consequence, and both and both receptions were amazing grabs there's no reason for michigan not to allow their corners to take maryland head on and then just you know focus on stopping the run uh, so it's it's got to be the under if it did yeah and if it is the over yeah it is i think it's because maryland breaks a big one in there somewhere but yeah on a play-to-play basis it's just hard to see them generating any kind of rushing attack three and a half different players get at least one sack so it's not half a sack that's 1.0 sack so four or more players. I I don't I don't know about that. Uh, Maryland's off offensive line is not good. They have Terrence Davis, the a pretty good. Uh, I believe he's on the right side. Yeah, right guard. Everyone else is is pretty meager. I just I don't know four different players to get at least one full sack. I don't know how many times that's happened this year. I'm gonna take yeah. the under there. Under. Plus one for the word meager, which reminds me of Oregon Trail. Okay, there we go. <laughs> Do you remember Oregon? Did you? Oh, you're probably you're a little bit younger. You remember Oregon Trail, the the computer I, game? I know of it. I never played it. Oh uh, well, some the rations can be meager. 
Ah. And and it's the only you don't really hear the word meager thrown around very often, so I give you some credit. That's good use of the word <laughs> meager there. So I agree though. Under I'm gonna go with the under. All right. Four and a half havoc plays, which again, past breakups, interceptions, uh, forced fumbles, fumble recovery, sacks, tackles for loss. Four and a half havoc plays for Dax Hill, Lavert Hill, Cameron Grown combined. I'm gonna take the over. Maybe maybe this is over exuberant, but I, I gotta think McGrone could almost get to four and a half himself uh, if he gets a couple tackles for loss. I guess I don't. I never looked it up. Do do sacks that are also tackles for loss count as? That's probably just one. It's got to be one. It's one play. Yeah. If the, if the if the stat is plays, it can only the most that you could get in one play. I would hope would be one. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> I think I think he could get close to four four and a half himself. And then I think um, I think Lavert Hill is going to get a couple pass breakups. Who knows? I don't know what Dax Hill's game is going to is going to look like, but I, I'm comfortable with the over there. Have we agreed on every one so far? Uh, no, we have disagreed just, on the RPO one. I'll just say under just to dis- just to make this interesting. Okay, all right. I although I I probably think it's the over, but I'm just going to go with the under. Sure, throw your score away. That's fine. Yeah, that's no uh, problem. <laughs> Maryland has two and a half completed passes longer than 20 yards through the first three quarters. So non-junk, big play passes. Do they get three of them? Under. I got to think. Yeah, I got to think under. Did did Notre Dame had two passes of 20 yards, but one was a junk. Penn yeah, State. One was, a, one was, again, an amazing grab by a future NFL player. Penn State had... Two, maybe three, big. Yeah, I think the three touchdown passes weren't they? Yeah, I, I'm thinking under. Yep, I'm I'm okay with that. Yeah. Six and a half punts for Maryland over. Yeah, oh, they do have a bad punter though. Oh, do they really? <laughs> like a like you know they've they've actually had some pretty good punters recent sure. years. They were one of the first to get a, a an Australian. Um, I don't think he's very good this year though. What do you? What do you? What do you? Well, it's got to be over though. What are you going to say? They're going to not. They're going <laughs> to abstain from punting instead. I mean, they, it, like you suspect that there's going to be. I'm just saying they might. You you suspect that there's going to be six fourth downs in the game for Maryland. Are they going to? Yeah, like. Well, he's not. He hasn't had a good season. We're just gonna. We're just gonna go for it. Screw it. So I got to go over. It got to be. They've had oh my goodness they've punted over fifty times this season yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> we're taking the over because um, that includes games against Howard Rutgers Syracuse Ugh. Purdue some pretty porous defenses and they still have punted over fifty times yeah easy over easy over there and then is that oh we got one more oh this will be this is for the TV viewers. Gaddis Loxley off-season quote-unquote argument referenced at six minutes of first quarter on the TV broadcast. So does it get referenced sooner or later? I got to think sooner. It's incredibly overblown, but they're going to discuss it. There's no other storyline you can really talk about for Michigan and Maryland this season. (laughs) It's it's going to be one of the first things they bring up is that both of these guys were former Alabama. They were both assistants on Alabama's team last season, and they both got bigger jobs, and then they got into a spat in the offseason about who was more important. I still kind of laugh at that whole, I thought that whole thing was kind of comical. Um, you know, I, I don't know. And that's, it's kind of funny is like, you do wonder though, if like Maryland is going to like just empty the playbook to try to put some points on the board. I, it is like, it's something I kind of thought about this week. Like, is like, it, you know, is Loxley, because you got to think there's, you know, there's going to be motivation on Gaddis' side to put up as many points as they can. I, I, I think. I mean, why else? You know, these it, these guys. It, it almost for a while seemed like neither of them would really let it go. Because mm-hmm. like it, it went away for a little bit, and then all of a sudden there was like another quote about yeah. it. Like when the, <laughs> then somebody. Granted, I mean the guys they maybe they were asked about it, but still, I mean you, you can just choose to not answer after a while. And well, you could just answer not answer right up front, but. You know, it seemed to keep popping up, so I kind of wondered for this game if they're you know, both, both these guys are just going to be hell-bent on scoring as many points as possible. You're going to see, like, some Madden plays and stuff, like, to 
try to generate some points, but I, it definitely will be brought up before, what, six minutes? What's that, like over halfway into the first quarter? I, I, yeah, I, yeah, I, I think it'll be brought up. Could be brought within up pre-game. the first drive. Within the first pre- drive, yeah. Sure, all right, I see it. <laughs> so, okay, so we both say before. Um, final score prediction for the game, Steve? I picked 45-14 to 14 without realizing that that was the score of last week's game, but I'm still just going to stick to it because that's what I've posted on our team, our site picks, and then I think I said that somewhere. I think I did that with our Maryland site. I wrote 45-14, to 14, so there I think they do it. I think they roll. I think they look good. I just You got to think last week was a, was a real big step forward for them confidence-wise. I think they dominate. Yeah, I had 42-17. to 17. I'm curious where they get the 17 points from, but last year I think it was 42-21. to 21. So it's not – and that was in Ann Arbor. So it's not infeasible that Maryland gets a couple big plays or, or even a special teams touchdown. Javon Leak is, is pretty quick. Not quite Ty Johnson, but, but not too far behind either. Yeah, I say 42-17. They had a good offense last year. You know, it's weird is Matt Canada is not coaching this season anywhere. Hmm. You know, he was the head coach. They should have beaten Ohio State last season. Yeah, in a really tough spot inheriting that team in that, in that yeah. circumstance. You know, and here he is. He's not coaching this year. I don't know. I think it may be by – I think if I remember right, it might be by his choice. But, you know, I mean, if you're Maryland, you almost kind of wonder, hey, what if we maybe – given this guy the full-time gig you know so hmm. well we shall see we shall see check out all of our stories over at the michiganinsider.com michigan.247sports.com for steve lorenz i'm zach shaw this has been the wolverine 24 7 podcast hope you had fun hope you learned something and we'll see you on sunday after this game